0: Keep walking along me stay.
1: And he lusted after, and he committed adultery with her already in his heart. Well, you know what God said we better do if that ever happens? That's verse 29 and if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee. Uh, that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Verse 30, And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee, that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. So he talks about this eye, and he talks about this arm. He said, listen, if that's what caused you to sin, cut it off. What he's saying? You say, well, man, that'd be a lot of limbless people and, and one-eyed people in this world if we took that literally. But what God is trying to say is this, deal a, bl- a decisive blow to sin. Amen. Don't let it linger around. Paul told Timothy to flee youthful lust, and that's what he told him to do. But I believe... All these things were the essentials of Nathan. He was to present the message. Again, leave the results up to God. We have to do the same thing. His responsibility was to please the master and to promote meditation. He gave that account of that story. And then to prevent magnification from the situation getting worse and worse and worse. God dealt with David where he was. And no doubt, there's been times in our life when God may deal with our heart. But it's not up to the preacher for you to make a decision. It's up to you. And it's up to me to make those decisions. Boy, numerous times God has dealt with me, numerous, numerous times. But what I want to deal with tonight is the fourfold price that David paid. And David did pay a price. We've already looked at the judgment there, verse number 10, that was pronounced. Verse number 10, the Bible said, Samuel 12, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house. What God promised David because of his sin. Now, we can say hallelujah to God. Verse number 13, David said, Lord, I've sinned against you. The Lord said, hey, I've I've forgiven you of that sin. I'm not going to count against you. But there's consequences to those actions. Amen. Sort of like this. We think about the laws of God. You know know the laws, and, and I use this statement so often, but it's true. Many of our laws in the U.S. have been to the dentist and had their teeth pulled. I mean, really, I mean, you got smacking crooks on the hand. There's really no penalty for doing something wrong. And I, I never will forget when Garrett was about, I guess he was 16. And if you ever come to my house, we got enough room to park 20 vehicles down my driveway. He had a bad habit of parking behind his mama. And I'd have to hear that every time, Brother Kevin, Christian, Garrett move, it. Garrett, move your truck, move your truck, move. So finally, I'd have enough. I'd asked him not to do it, asked him not to do it. I said, all right, but I said, next time, he'll tell you the truth. He's somewhere in here. Yeah, he's back there. I said, all right, next time that happens, I said, I want your keys for a week, for a week. You know how many times he parked behind Christian? He ain't parked there again. You know why that is? You put a penalty to that law. Just it. well, there uh, really ain't nothing going, nothing happening. Nothing. You've told me, told me, told me. But now you put a penalty to it. All right, I'm going to have to pay that price now. And if we would consider as God's people the heavy price that we pay, if David had considered the price that he was going to pay, he said, man, that's too stiff. But think about these fourfold as David pronounced on the man. In verse number 6, he shall restore the lamb Fourfold, David sure did do that. What was the first one that he had to endure the judgment as this? Well, look again at verse number 14. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the image of the Lord, to blaspheme the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. This was a judgment of God. Let me stop and say this. Just because a child dies does not mean that is a direct judgment from God. Just because somebody gets a dreadful disease don't mean that that's a judgment from God. But sometimes it is. You can't deny that as you study the Word of God. But if you look at verse number 15, the devil didn't strike this child. Look what the Bible said in verse 15. And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. The Lord's the one that's responsible. Well, was God just and do absolutely? We serve a holy, a thrice holy God. And David had had rebelled against what God said to do. David deserved to die himself twofold because of adultery and because of murder. But God spared his life, but he touched those that were dear unto him, and that was one of the fourfold judgments. This baby would die. Look at verse sixteen. David therefore besought God for the child and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth and the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth but he would not neither did he eat bread with them and it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died and the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead for they said behold while the child was yet alive we spake unto him and he would not hearken unto our voice how will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child Is dead. Verse nineteen. But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said unto his servants, "Is the child dead?" And they said, "He is dead." David said a mouthful in verse number six when he was talking about that man. He thought he's talking about somebody else, and Nathan said, "You're the man." When he said that man will restore fourfold, there's the first fold. That child being struck down. Well. You look at some of the sons of David; and those that started with a brother, they had a, they had a hard time. I'll just say that. All that is part of the result that the sword would never depart from David's house. Why all the turmoil came into David's house? It was because of that sin. It was a fourfold price, a heavy price that David. Had to pay. As you study your Bible, you can look that, you can go back to 2 Samuel chapter 3. I'm just, you can jot that down and look. You'll see that there were several sons and, and children that were born while David was in Hebron. Remember the first seven and a half years, that's where he reigned before he, he overtook and had Judah. And he was in Hebron, and the Bible said in 2 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 2 And unto David were sons born in Hebron, and his firstborn was Amnon of Ahinoam, the Jezreelitis. Now, we understand by the Word of God, Amnon was the first one that was born. Now, the firstborn, most of the time in the Bible, was the one that would inherit his throne. Well, what happened to Amnon? Well, you've got to understand, as you read on a little bit further, Absalom had a full sister by the name of Tamar. And their mama was Makah, which was, she was a Geshurite. And we'll look at that here in just a minute. You'll find it in that same chapter, 2 Samuel chapter number 3. So we know Absalom and Tamar were full brother and sister. But now Absalom and Tamar were, they were half brothers and sisters unto Amnon, because Amnon's mom was Ahinoam according to the word of God. Now, in 2 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 3, the Bible said in the third, the thirdborn, was Absalom, the son of Maacah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. What's that got to do with anything? Amnon had this half-sister named Tamar, which was a full-blooded sister unto Absalom. Well, she was beautiful. The Word of God lets us know that she was fair to look upon. Well, here I her have Brother Amnon. He began to lust after her, and he began to look at her. You'll see that in the very next chapter, 2 Samuel chapter number 13. And he devised this plan, and eventually, basically what, Abs- what, what Amnon did uh, unto Tamar, he violated and forced himself sexually upon her to, to not use any vile words tonight. And this was Absalom's full sister. Well, what happened? Well, the Bible tells us. 2 Samuel, chapter number 13. Now, remember, Amnon is the firstborn of David. And this is part of the curse that the sword would never depart out of his house. Amnon, listen to what the Bible said. in 2 Samuel 13 and verse 22. And he's found out that, that... Amnon has violated his full sister Tamar. Verse 22, And Absalom spake unto his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. So he, he didn't express his full feelings. He despised him. He wanted to get a hold of him, but he didn't speak good. He didn't speak bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. And look at verse 23, And it came to pass after two full years. Now, I'm not preached on this tonight, but you know Absalom fed on that Sister Jenny for two years He chewed on it Waiting for the opportunity To get back at his half-brother For what he did unto his full sister Well, as we read on, verse 23 It came to pass after two years That Absalom had sheep shears in Belhazor, which is beside Ephraim And Absalom invited all the king's sons And Absalom came to the king and said Behold now Thy servant has sheep shears. Let the king, I beseech thee, and his servants go with thy servant. And the king said to Absalom, Nay, my son, let us not all now go, lest we be chargeable unto thee. And he pressed him, howbeit he would not go, but blessed him. So he's asked David to go and all the sons to go, but David blessed him, but he wouldn't go. Well, verse number 26 then said, Absalom, if not, I pray thee, let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said unto him, Why should he go with thee but Absalom pressed him that he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him now keep in mind two years have passed according to the word of God he didn't say bad to him didn't say good to him but inside man he, he hated he, he was waiting for the day and this day is on this day verse number 28 now Absalom had commanded his servants saying mark ye now when, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine and when I say unto you smite Amnon then kill him fear not If not, I command you, be courageous and be valiant. And the servants of Absalom did unto Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, and every man gat him up upon his mule and fled. Now, this is the first born. The heir to the throne of David. But because of David's sin, that sword would never depart out of his house. This is the second fold heavy prize for sin. That baby died first. Direct result to David's sin. Amnon, I believe the firstborn, God allows David to suffer even more because of his sin, but we ain't done. Notice there was another son that started with A, and that was Absalom. I've already mentioned to you Second Samuel 12, verse 11. This came to pass during... The rebellion of Absalom as he rebelled against his father. In verse 11 of 2 Samuel 12, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. That's exactly what came to pass. Well, where did it come from, preacher? It was a heavy price that David was paying for his sin. Boy, I wish we could get this. The baby died. Amnon died And now Absalom What happened to him? He's the third born We just read in 2 Samuel chapter 3 And verse number 3 That he was the, the son of Makah uh, The Jeshurite And he was the third born of David And you might say "Well, now, why would, why would David's son Absalom Why would he rebel against his father? Well I think we just We read about it a little bit ago There in 2 Samuel 13 You remember when, when Tamar was violated by Amnon? Her half brother, but Absalom and Tamar was full blood relative. I mean, they both had the same dad, both had the same mama. Well, why would da- Why would Absalom rebel and resent David? I'm gonna tell you exactly why I believe he rebelled against his father. For in that text, after Amnon has has sexually violated Tamar, David found out about it. Well, what'd he do? Nothing. Nothing. 2 Samuel 13 and verse 21. But when King David heard of all these things that Amnon had laid with Tamar, he was very wroth, but he did nothing. He did no disciplining. He done nothing at all unto Amnon. I believe that old bitterness and resentment came To abstinence because for two, he didn't say nothing bad, didn't say nothing good. He might have been waiting for his father to to chastise and to judge his half-brother. But David didn't lift a finger. Amen. And apparently, we'll see another one here in a minute, same thing. Evidently, David was not a disciplining father. We'll see it in Adonijah. What does God God say about discipline? Now listen, there's a big difference in child abuse and getting a whooping. Amen. Ain't a thing wrong with a whooping. Some folks say, well, I don't whoop my children. Yeah, we all know. But listen, Proverbs 13 and verse number 24. The Bible said, he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteth him. B times. You know what B times is? That's discipline by both word and action and doing it diligently. God put a cushion right back here, man. Amen. It's where the board of correction meets the seed of knowledge. Amen. Proverbs 29, verse 15 said, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. We've probably all seen that at some point or the other, but evidently, Uh, Amnon was, he was not disciplined by David Adonijah wouldn't either, we'll read about that here in just a second And I believe that's why Absalom resented King David And he laid with his harem, he laid with his concubines He laid with his wives and he wanted the kingdom Well, What happened to Absalom? In spite of all that, David still loved Solomon why is all this happening? Well, the sword's never going to part out of David's house. 2 Samuel chapter number 12, verse number 10. Why is that? It's because of a direct result of David's sin. 2 Samuel 18, watch this now. A lot of scripture right here, but get it. 2 Samuel 18, and verse number 4. And now basically David has, has split the, these, the, the people in three different ways. A third went here, a third went here, and a third went there. Now, the Bible said in Second Samuel, of course, this is a time when Absalom is revolted and rebelled. Second Samuel 18 and verse 4, And the king said unto them, What seemeth you best I will do? And the king stood by the gate side, and all the people came out by hundreds and by thousands. And the king commanded Joab and Abishai and Atai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man. So here you got these three men. you got Joab, you got Ab- Abishai, and he got Atai. These three have got a one th- One's got a third of the people. The second's got a third of the people. And the third, I have a hard time saying that I word. That's why I ain't repeating their names. But a third are going in every different direction. And he said, Whenever you got to deal gently for my sake with the young man, who's he talking about? Even with Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains charge concerning Absalom. Now, listen, folks, this wasn't a handful. How do you know? We just read there the last part of verse number 4. All the people came out by hundreds and by thousands. So this is a vast number. And everybody in this third and this third and this third with Abishai and Ati and Joab, they all heard the words of the king. You deal softly and gently, specifically with Absalom. So everybody heard it. Look at verse 6. So the people went out into the field against Israel, and the battle was in the wood of Ephraim where the people of Israel were slain before the servants of David. And there was there a great slaughter that day of 20,000 men. So basically these three uh, divisions have went in and they've whooped Absalom's crowd. And the Bible said in verse 8, For the battle was there scattered over the face of all the country, and the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. So evidently this was a thick forest and, and it was a tough deal, and it killed more people as they were fleeing than the swords did the Bible said in verse 9 and Absalom met the servants of David and Absalom rode upon a mule and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak and his head caught hold of the oak and he was taken up between the heaven and the earth and the mule that was under him went away and a certain man saw it and told Joab and said behold I saw Absalom hanged in an oak but Joab said unto the man that told him and behold thou sawest him and why didst thou not smite him there to the ground so he asked why, why didn't you kill him and he said the last part of verse 11, I would have given thee ten shekels of, shekels of silver and a girdle. And the man said unto Joab, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in mine hand, yet would I not put forth mine hand against the king's son. For in our hearing the king charged thee and Abishai and Atei, saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. So they seen Absalom. He's hanging in a tree. Wouldn't touch him. Joab said, man, Joab's hot-headed. There's a lot we can say about Joab. But look at verse 13. Otherwise I should have wrought falsehood against mine own life. For there is no matter hid from the king. And thou thyself wouldest have set thyself against me. Then said Joab... I may not tarry, or I may not tarry thus with thee and he took 3 darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak in direct violation of what David said in verse number 5 he said you deal gently Joab did not deal gently 3 darts through the heart of Absalom, the one that David said, hey, deal gently with him, specifically all the hundreds, all the thousands, Atei, Joab, Abishai, everybody heard, don't do this, but Joab did. Now notice verse number 15 and 10, young men that bare Joab's armor compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. And you can go on, you can read, David was absolutely devastated. Devastated. Weeping and mourning over his son. And this is the threefold. We're just on three. We'll get to four in a moment. The baby died as a result of David's sin. Believe the word of God is clear. Amnon, the firstborn, is, has been slain. The sword, I mean, it's devouring one another. Absalom had him killed. Now Absalom, I believe, out of, out of rebellion and resentment because David wouldn't do a thing, wouldn't lift a hand unto Amnon when he violated his sister Tamar. And now Absalom has killed him and now Absalom is rebelled and he's dead. And all this is grief and burdensome unto David. There's a heavy, folks, what I'm trying to say, there's a heavy price for sin. God told him specifically that sword will never depart out of your house. And he had to deal with it. That, that night of pleasure, he had to deal with sin with, with the sin that he committed. Now, I want you to go to 1 Kings chapter 1. Those are the three. The baby, you got Amnon, you got Absalom. But don't you to notice this third this fourth one? David had another son by the name of Adonijah. And apparently at this point in time, Adonijah was the oldest living son. But God had already placed on David's heart and on Solomon's heart that Solomon was going to be king. But Adonijah, I don't think he really cared, but I want you to notice here in, in 1 Kings chapter number 1, we'll, just, we'll read it, just, just bear with me here. This is pretty self-explanatory, but it's necessary. This is the fourth one, the fourth fourfold message. And again, Adonijah is the oldest living son at this point. Verse 1, 1 Kings 1 said, Now King David was old and stricken in years, and they covered him with clothes, because he got no heat. Wherefore his servants said unto him, Let there be salt for my lord, the king, a young virgin, and let her stand before the king, and let her cherish him, and let her lie in thy bosom, that my lord the king may get, get heat. So they sought for a fair damsel throughout all the coast of Israel, and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. Now remember Abishag, that's important as you move on in the account, especially get into chapter number 2 with Adonijah. Now Verse number 5, then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. Again, he's the oldest living son at this point. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not displeased. Here it is. How do we know David wasn't a a disciplining father? Well, listen. He didn't lift a finger when when Amnon did his business with Tamar. When verse number 6, and his father, whose father? Adonijah's father, David, had not displeased him at any time in saying, why hast thou done so? Didn't ask him a thing. And he also was a very goodly man, and his mother bare him after Absalom. And he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and with Abiathar, the priest, and they, following Adonijah, helped him. But Zadok, the priest, and Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan, the prophet, and Shimei, and Rhiah, and the mighty men which belonged to David, were not with Adonijah. And Adonijah slew sheep, and oxen and fat cattle by the stone of Zoheleth, which is by Enrogel, and called all his brethren to the king's house, or, or, or all his brethren, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. Now verse 10 is very interesting. But Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah, and the mighty men, and Solomon his brother, he called not. I mean, basically, he stored himself, a, a self-coronation, I'm going to be king. But he left out Zadok the priest. He left out Benai. He left out these others here, the mighty men of David. You know, I think about this. Why, why weren't they invited? Because they weren't wolves. They were sheep. <laughs> you know, wolves packed together. They know where they'll get a list in the ear. Amen. Yeah, Why in the world do you think it? he, Adonijah, conferred with Joab and with uh, Abiathar, the priest? They helped him. But boy, he didn't, he didn't want to talk to Nathan. That's God's man. Amen. <laughs> yeah, didn't want to talk to Benaiah. Mm-mm. Not the mighty men of David. No, no, no. They're loyal unto the king. So they tried to get a list in ear. So he's gathered his self coordination. We look at verse 11. Wherefore Nathan spake unto Bathsheba the mother of Solomon saying, Hast thou not heard that Adonijah the son of Haggath doth reign? And David our Lord knoweth it not? Now therefore come, let me, I pray thee, give thee counsel that thou mayest save thine own life and the life of thy son Solomon. Go and Get thee in unto David and say unto him, this not thou, my Lord, O king, swear unto thine handmaid, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, thy son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne. Why then doth Adonijah reign? I'm going to encourage you to read on uh, because I want to read the whole chapter, but I'm not going to read all that. I encourage you to do that. But when you look at Adonijah, he was the fourth. Born According to 2 Samuel 3, verse number 4, he was the son of Haggith. And that is laid out in our text here in 1 Kings chapter number 1. He set himself up as king. But I want you to notice here, David, you can read on. And, and basically what happens is uh, Solomon is put on the throne. And the very last part of chapter number 1, Adonijah goes and grabs a hold to the horns of the altar. And begs for his life. And Solomon said, well, you know, if he'll, if he'll show himself worthy, then uh, he'll not be touched. So he came and he bowed himself unto King Solomon. And that's the end of it until we get to chapter number 2. Chapter number 2, the first 12 verses, you basically see the death of David. And Solomon is reigning as king. But remember Abishag? Abish- or the um, whatever that lady's name was, Lord of mercy I done for God, Abishag. Ain't that right? Yeah, Abishag. Remember her? She was that Shunammite woman that kept David warm. Well, she's going to come back on the story here. Chapter number 2. Now, now Solomon's king. Adonijah has been been removed. I mean, it's been recognized because Solomon's rode in on David's mule. He's recognized. He's been anointed by Zadok the priest. Nathan's there. Benaiah, the the son of Jehoiada. we understand all them are there. The mighty men, the men of value, they're there. And we understand chapter number two and verse number thirteen, and Adonijah, the son of Haggath came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, and she said, Comest thou peaceably. And he said, peaceably. He said, Moreover, I have somewhat to say unto thee. She said, Say on, he said, Thou knowest that the kingdom was mine, and that all Israel set their faces on me, that I should reign. Howbeit, the kingdom is turned about, and it is become my brothers, for it was his from the Lord. And now I asked one position of the, uh, petition of thee, deny me not. And she said unto him, Say on. And he said, Speak, I pray thee unto Solomon the king, for he will not say thee nay, that he give me Abishag, the Shunammite, to wife. Adonijah wanted that beautiful Shunammite girl, Abishag. So he didn't ask Solomon himself, so he's trying to go around the back door and get in a listening ear with Solomon's mama. But Solomon saw through that, because look at verse number 18. Bathsheba said, Well, I will speak for thee unto the king. Bathsheba therefore went unto king Solomon to speak unto him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed himself unto her and sat down on his throne and caused the seat to be set for the king's mother. And she sat on his right hand. Then she said, I desire one small petition of thee. I pray thee, say me not nay. And the king said unto her, Ask all my mother, for I will not say thee nay. She said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah thy brother to wife. Verse 22. And King Solomon answered and said unto his mother, Why and why dost thou ask Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also? For he is mine elder brother, so we know that he's the Adonijah was the oldest brother at the time. Even for him and for Abiathar the priest and for Joab the son of Zeruiah. See Abiathar and Joab. And Adonijah were all together in that thing trying to present Adonijah as king. Solomon said, you want me to do that too? You want me to give them the kingdom? Well, look at verse 23. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, God, do so to me. And more also, if Adonijah have not spoken this word against his own life. Now, therefore, as the Lord liveth, which hath established me, and set me on the throne of David my father, and who hath made me in house, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death this day. And King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada. And he fell upon him that he died. I know that's a lot of scripture. I know that's a lot to take in. But it basically boils down to this right here, the summary. When you look at what David committed, he, he couldn't see far off. When he committed that sin, Brother Randy, he, he couldn't see down the road. He didn't know the price he was going to pay with that baby dying because the Bible said the Lord struck that child. He didn't know that Amnon was going to violate his half-sister Tamar and then have to wait two full years and let that rage and that malice build up in Absalom, Tamar's full-blood brother. And and then finally, when they're down there shearing sheep, he has him killed when he's married with wine. Where did that come from? It's verse number 10 of 2 Samuel, chapter number 12, a direct result of David's sin. That sword would never depart out of his house. They would get into 1 Kings, that fourth, fourfold. Even David had died at that point, still having to pay that price. He got to see Adonijah march up through there and say he was going to be king. But David got that straightened out there in his dying days. Well, where would all that come from? It come from that sin and from that action with Bathsheba. And I say all that to say this, Sister Savannah comes. Say, Preacher, it's Wednesday night, and I know it is. But this is a message God laid on our heart. And it might have just been for me. But there's some warning lights. There's some flashing signs that, that ought to go off in our mind because we don't always think about consequences before we do things or before we say things. Sort of like the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Sometimes those words do. Sometimes those actions do. Sometimes those looks Do those things when you look longer and you stay longer and you linger longer than you should. That's what David did. You don't see that end result. One of the greatest ways I can tell you. You can drive down 40. You can drive down 77. You can get on 421. You won't have to go far and you're going to find a wine uh, billboard. You're going to find a beer billboard. You're going to find something. And most time, you're going to find about a half-dressed man or a half-dressed woman. And it's going to look like they're just having the time of their life. But what it don't show you is the ruined lives. The broken families. The families that are devastated when that drunk driver hits somebody. The the devil don't show you none of that stuff. You see, the consequences do apply to our decisions. And David played a fourfold heavy price. He was forgiven. Thank God he was forgiven. But he still had to pay a heavy price. Let's all be conscious about the decisions we make because they may be some things down the road that we listen, you can be forgiven. But you might have to pay a price on down the road. Remember, and as you come in, Sister Gina, I guess she put that up there on Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Just remember, when you sow that seed, you don't get that seed instantly. There's an incubation period, but it will come up. Oh, rest assured, it's going to come. Brother Bob you say, payday don't always come on Friday. But rest assured, payday is coming. There's a heavy price for sin. As we stand all over the house tonight, let's pray. Father... I love you. I thank you, Lord, for the good word of God tonight. Lord, I've done my best, Lord, to preach the message of the hour. Lord, I know there's a lot of scripture involved. But, Lord, this is where you directed our heart. Lord, help us to learn some valuable lessons, Lord, from David. Lord, he was a man after your own heart, and yet he stumbled. God, I thank you, Lord, that you forgave him of that sin. But there there was consequences. A fourfold penalty that he had to pay. With that child and with Amnon and Absalom and Adonijah. And, God, help us to see... Lord, with the decisions we make, the words, the choices that we make, consequences do apply. God, help us to be faithful. I pray if there's one listening tonight, never been saved, God, help them to see that hell awaits them. Boy, that's a heavy price for sin, Lord. And I pray, God, you deal with that heart. Save them that's lost. Love on them, Lord. Help them see they can be forgiven. But help us to keep ourselves unspotted from the world, untangled from this world and its influence around us. God, we'll be careful to thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hiddings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry. that has been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus of Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world to equip the saints of God for service and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month we have what's called an eat and meet service After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the Fellowship Hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's Holy Word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything. But sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. For The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, But after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans three twenty three said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter fifty-three and verse six, All we like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words and good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You must understand that you are loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 in verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16 and verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, You simply have to ask Him to save you. You might say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, broken in a contrite heart, O oh God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, and if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sin. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here. And may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.